Welcome to The Rot Focus, a podcast for rotters, newbies, and veterans, and everyone in between. We're hosted by M.A. Lee with the assistance of Remy Black and Edie Runes, all from Rotters, Inc. Books. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Each episode lasts as long as it takes to fix a quick dinner, grab a short commute, or take a brisk walk. Resources and links are in the show notes. Visit us at therockfocus.blogspot.com. Now, on to this week's episode. It's our branding between edition for Market Copy featuring Ellis Peters and Elizabeth Peters. We pick up right where we left off in our stripped down episode. Remember to refer to the August 9 episode for context about these additions to that episode. Titles and cover copy in action for Ellis Peters' CAD file series. Murder, Monk, Middle Ages. Number one, a morbid taste for bones in 1977. The idea of murder is suggested. Monk and Middle Ages implied. We have a play on words, taste and bones. Two, one corpse too many, 1979. The murder is clear. The Monk and Middle Ages is implied. We have an antithesis, one versus too many. Three, Monk's Hood in 1980. Murder is not suggested unless you know this is an alternate name for a poison. The idea of the monk is clear. The idea of the Middle Ages is suggested. 4. St. Peter's Fair, 1981. None of the three tags are clear. 5. The Leper of St. Giles, 1981. Only the monk is implied with the place name of St. Giles. 6. The Virgin in the Ice. 1982. The idea of the murder is clear. The monk is implied. The idea of the Middle Ages is missing. 7. The Sanctuary Sparrow. 1982. Monk and Middle Ages are suggested. The murder is not clear. 8. The Devil's Novice. 1983. Monk and Middle Ages suggested. The murder is not clear. 9. Dead Man's Ransom, 1984. Murder is clear. Monk and Middle Ages suggested. 10. The Pilgrim of Hate, 1984. Murder is suggested. Monk is suggested. The Middle Ages is clearly suggested. Here is the market copy for One Corpse Too Many, the second book in the series. I'll read a first paragraph and then analyze it and read the next one. In the summer of 1138, war between King Stephen and Queen Maud takes Brother Cadfile from the quiet world of his garden into a battlefield of passions, deceptions, and death. In the first sentence, we have the monk, Middle Ages, and murder. We are given our setting, situation, and protagonist, a juxtaposition of war and a quiet garden, and an ozesis with a climatic ordering of passions, deceptions, and death. Next sentence. Not far from the safety of the abbey walls, 
Shrewsbury Castle falls, leaving its 94 defenders loyal to the Empress to hang as traitors. We have the proximity of the problem to our protagonist, and we know the situation. Next sentence. With a heavy heart, Brother Cadvile agrees to bury the dead, only to make a grisly discovery, one extra victim that has been strangled, not hanged. Here we have the opinion of our protagonist, the reason our protagonist is involved in this situation, and introduction of murder. Second paragraph. This ingenious way to dispose of a corpse tells Brother Cadvile that the killer is both clever and ruthless. So in this first sentence of the second paragraph, our killer is introduced. Next sentence. But one death among so many seems unimportant to all but the good Benedictine. So we have the reason the protagonist is the only person who can solve the crime and who is interested in solving this crime. Last sentence. He vows to find the truth among the disparate clues. A girl in a boy's clothing, a missing treasure, and a single broken flower. The tiny bit of evidence that Cadfile believes can expose our murderer's black heart. So we have in this Ozesis, which is items building up, strange yet intriguing clues, with the last clue the solution to the crime. Our niche of the Middle Ages is clear from the very first line, just as the monk is clear by the start of the second sentence. The first two sentences juxtapose Cadfile's peaceful world with bloody civil war. By the end of the third sentence, we discover murder. The whole second paragraph is devoted to what makes this murder unique. Less clear as a title attracting readers is St. Peter's Fair, the fourth book in the series, here is the start of the blurb. It's the great annual fair of St. Peter's in Shrewsbury. A quarrel breaks out between the local burghers and the monks. From the Benedictine monastery, and a riot ensues. Afterwards, a merchant is found dead, and Brother Cadfile is summoned from his herb garden to test his detective skills again. We know our location. We know the dispute that starts it. We have a Middle Ages word, burger and monk. We have our murder in a merchant being found dead and why Brother Cadfile is going to solve it. Obviously, the title and the blurb are hoping to attract people who enjoy going to festivals with murder as a neat juxtaposition to a merry event, just as the crime-solving monk is another juxtaposition. Market copy in action for Elizabeth Peters' Amelia Peabody series, Murder, Archaeology, and Snark. 1. The Crocodile on the Sandbank, 1975. Murder is hinted, archaeology is hinted, the snark is absent from the title. 2. The Curse of the Pharaohs, 1981. Murder and archaeology are clear, snark is absent. 3. The Mummy Case, 1985. Murder hinted, archaeology and snark clear. 4. Lion in the Valley, 1986. None of the three are clear. 5. The Deeds of the Disturber, 1988. Murder is hinted, the other two are unclear. We have the lovely alliteration of Deeds and Disturber.
Six, the last camel died at noon, 1991. Murder is clear. Archaeology is strongly hinted. Snark is suggested. Seven, the snake, the crocodile, and the dog, 1992. Murder, archaeology, hinted. The snark is strongly hinted. Eight, hippopotamus pool, 1996. Murder and snark, unclear, unless the title is a play on the famous mystery novel, The Drowning Pool. Archaeology is suggested. 9. Seen a large cat, 1997. All three of our tags are unclear. 10. The ape who guards the balance, 1998. Murder and snark are unclear. Archaeology is strongly suggested. As with both Ellis Peters and Tony Hillerman, Elizabeth Peters' titles rely on the cover art to convey the three tagline words that are the foundation of the series. While words and images seem distinct, they greatly depend upon each other. Here is the market copy for The Crocodile on the Sandbank, first book in the series. I did hesitate to buy my first Amelia Peabody. The title intrigued me, but there in the bookstore, I was already holding a Hillerman and an Ellis Peters and a Jan Karen for my mother. The blurb sewed me on the book. Two paragraphs. Here's the first sentence in the first paragraph. Amelia Peabody, that indomitable product of the Victorian age, embarks on her debut Egyptian adventure, armed with unshakable confidence, a journal to record her thoughts, and, of course, a sturdy umbrella. So that last climatic ordering with the sturdy umbrella, there's our snark. We have strong words to describe our protagonist and an osesis of things she finds necessary when traveling. Next sentence. On her way to Cairo, Amelia rescues young Evelyn Barton Forbes, who has been abandoned by her scoundrel lover. So now we introduce the secondary character, who will be the focus of the danger. Next sentence. Together, the two women sail up the Nile to an archaeological site run by the Emerson brothers, the irascible but dashing Radcliffe and the amiable Walter. Now we have an intro of love interest for Amelia and Evelyn. Soon their little party is increased by one, one mummy that is, and a singularly lively example of the species. So we have a second snark, two in one. And as this snarky intro of danger, a mummy can't possibly be considered dangerous, can it? Second paragraph, beginning with climatic ordering. Strange visitations, suspicious accidents, and a botched kidnapping convince Amelia that there is a plot afoot to harm Evelyn. Our protagonist is the only person who seems to be aware of the trouble. Last sentence. Now Amelia finds herself up against an unknown enemy and perilous forces that threaten to make her first Egyptian trip also her last. So we have... A strong suggestion of murder in the offing. The danger extends to the protagonist, and we have antithesis, first and last. While paragraph two is filled with the dangers Amelia and Evelyn will confront, the danger is focused from the beginning. Abandoned with scoundrel, strangeness and suspicions, 
kidnapping and harm, an unknown enemy with perilous forces. We have two examples of irreverent snark from Amelia, and the umbrella comes in handy in more than one of the books. In later books, the snark vanished from the back cover, but the other two elements remain. Here is the blurb for The Lion in the Valley, the fourth book, and the first with none of the elements clear from the title. The 1895-96 to 96 season promises to be an exceptional one for Amelia Peabody, her dashing Egyptologist husband Emerson, and their wild and precocious eight-year-old son Ramses. The much-coveted burial chamber of the Black Pyramid in Dashur is theirs for the digging, but there is a great evil in the wind that roils the hot sands sweeping through the bustling streets and marketplace of Cairo. So we have the introduction of our protagonist immediately, as well as the people she is most concerned with. We have archaeology, twice with more to come. We have snark with a much-coveted burial chamber. And we have the murder suggested with the idea of the great evil. Second paragraph, the brazen moonlight abduction of Ramses and an expedition subsequently cursed by misfortune and death here is danger times three, isn't it? Have alerted Amelia to the likely presence of her arch nemesis, the master criminal, notorious looter of the living and the dead. But it is far more than ill-gotten gains that motivates the evil genius this time around. For now, the most valuable and elusive prize of all is nearly in his grasp, the manly lady archaeologist who has sworn to deliver to him to justice, Amelia Peabody. So we have the reason Amelia is involved in her story, Danger Times 3. We know the evil that she's going to confront, and that evil is going to be directly aimed at her. All through July and August, the right focus is in a series on branding using Emily Lee's guidebook, Discovering Your Author Brand. A link to view images of the covers discussed is in the show notes. Worksheet templates and a video trailer script are available at Buy Me A Coffee. Find that link also in the show notes. Thanks for listening to The Right Focus, a podcast for writers at all levels, hosted by Emma Lee from Writers Inc. Books, assisted by Remy Black and Edie Runes. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Music is licensed through Audio Jungle called Background Music Loop. Its creator is Alexander Polishchuk, known on Audio Jungle as Plastic 3. The music comes in different iterations. Show notes and resource links for this and other episodes can be found at therightfocus.blogspot.com. Write to us at winkbooks at aol.com when you have questions, comments, and speculations. We will try to answer you as quickly as possible. By the way, we will not mind your email address. That's rude. If you find value in our content, share with your writing friends or write a review. We're small beans here without the advertising budget of the big peeps, and you can make a difference. And whatever occurs, right on.